and welcome to the Joygasm Effect. And today I'm sharing some sacred space with Tony Riley. Welcome, Tony. Hi, Kerry. Thanks for having me. And hello, everyone. Uh, and t Tony is an author, an internationally recognized regression facilitator, and is the creator of the Soul Life Program Seminars and Trainings, where, Tony, you guide thousands of people worldwide with your unique intuitive approach to trans personal transformation <laughs> that's it Kerry that's right personal transformation is my favorite thing I think that all of our uh, um, I guess healing of anything or moving through issues in our lives um, all comes through personal transformation okay so, so, you can, so just tell us a little bit about what that term means for you Tony like personal transformation Personal transformation, I think, is the realisation that we have when we realise that everything in our lives, oops, <laughs> so it's all about that, um, that everything in our lives comes back to us because, well, I guess I realised it through my own uh, awakening where um, I didn't really think I had any issues. Of course, I had so many, I just didn't realise it. I don't know how to stop that doing that. Um, sorry about that. But then I guess the thing was, even in the beginning of personal transforming myself, I would still look outside for the cause of my my troubles or my insecurities. Um, yeah, I came to realise it was all about me and that no matter who's... Um, annoying us or making us angry or making us sad or feel dumb or whatever, it still comes back to us. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's transformation. Yes. And it's so empowering. I guess it gets a bit rough and sometimes I remember in the early days these realisations that would come to me and I'd think, oh, I've done that to myself. And I, I used to cry a lot about it actually with um, the realisation comes like, oh, my God. So, um, but it... I guess it's how we work through it. Yeah, so just if we just go back a little bit, Tony, just tell us a little bit, how did you discover your um, spiritual self and really, and how did you get to that place where you um, started to tap into your own personal transformation? So for me, it started, I was about 35 and I left my husband, which created a big um different uh, direction in my life but the main thing that happened was I became absolutely compelled to um, well to research myself soul search I called it and part of that process led me to the understanding that I had these intuitive abilities or psychic abilities yeah. I call them intuition now <laughs> yeah. but, but th those abilities and so part of trying to discover, I, I was told many times that I had them and I thought, no, I don't, because I had a perception of what that meant. And um, so when, when that breakup happened, I thought, I have to find out about this. So I asked, what do I do? And um, the person told me to meditate. Well, I never really, it never occurred to me that people just meditate, like, 
It never occurred to me before then. And I thought, oh, don't, isn't that what Buddhists do, monks and that kind of thing? So I thought, oh, my God, maybe I just have to find somewhere like that to meditate because I wanted to know how this all works. So um, turns out I didn't have to find any monks. But uh, I Googled and actually at that time there was not much of what we do on the internet. It was kind of not that our what we're doing is new, but it was new on the internet. So anyway, I'm Googling away and I found this woman in Melbourne who ran classes from her lounge room, meditation yeah. or development yeah. classes. So I went along and in the first class I could see stuff in here and I'm like, oh, whoa, this is really cool. Believe me, it was nothing exciting. I could see it. Actually, it was a window, but I could see it so clearly, a window that I'd never seen before and sort of a portion of a room. And um, I thought, wow, I really can do this stuff. And uh, part of that process, so here I was thinking I'm going to, you know, build up this intuition and what happened in that process of slowing down and meditating it was my issues started to come up as they do yeah and I was thinking what um this is at first it was really interesting but it, it hit me pretty hard um because they were essentially about self-worth which I thought I was a really confident person <laughs> and uh yeah it, it kept I kept being told things about that so um I would explore them then and reflect on it and realize how self-worth had been a big thing for me and it had been pretty damaged actually um but anyway I do remember every time I meditated something else would come up or you know in the group someone would give you a message like never thought of that before but you'd think about it and go oh, that really yeah. does apply to me and um and then I thought how many freaking issues do I have and of course they continued on or they essentially might have been the same ones but they're that deep that um, one realisation didn't get rid of them. It was a, a big process. My God, and it's 11 years later now. And um, so I've been looking for a long time. Yeah, and I, I, one of the things, because I hear you and I know, like, you know, similar experiences and, you know, self-worth has been my um, issue as well. But one of the things, as a um, mediumship teacher, one of the things that I've found over the years is that that is the natural process of the soul, that once we actually start connecting with our spirit and our soul, that those issues come up. But I've also found that it's at that point where people pull away, you know, yeah. that, that that's when they will actually deny spirit and start walking away from it. So what gave you the courage, Tony, to actually keep moving through, to actually face and move and walk through that healing because I know that that can be painful. It can be, um, you know, unbalancing. Yeah, yeah. Confronting. Yep. I don't know. I don't know what else to say except that I felt compelled. I probably didn't even for a second think to myself, "This is wrong for me." It, there was this compulsion. I'd never had it before. And this drive, I couldn't stop it. So <laughs> there were so many things I didn't even realise I was capable of that I did, not just in the process of my own self-awareness, you know, coming up and my transformation happening, but even in this field that we ended up working in, in this, um, 
you know, with our intuitive abilities or the mediumship, it was, um, I couldn't stop it. And um, it was amazing. So sometimes I'd be having my breakdown, let's say, like where I'm crying. I never minded, actually. I know it's not pleasant, but I, I just let it happen. And um, I never really thought to myself, I have to show the world a brave face. I didn't get on Facebook crying. I didn't do that. But um, <laughs> it was happening. And I guess um, when it would happen, I just probably withdrew a little bit. And um, sometimes I also found that when I was in those processes, there's talking to no one helps because I think you have to, it's all about you and you have to really personally reflect on it. So um, I guess there were times when the withdrawal period was so relevant, it wasn't funny. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I've, I've got a bit That's of a, a scratchy throat today. <laughs> so, um, so fast forward 11 years and you've been going through that journey. How does, um, how does your day-to-day -day connection to spirit evolve through your day now, like, how does, <coughs> what does your connection to spirit do for you on a daily basis these days? I guess, um, I guess that what it does is assures me that, well, to yes, do this or no, don't do that. It, I guess it gives me an, an assurance of trusting what I'm doing next. And can I still admit that even though this intuition is so strong, my will or ego, which I kind of consider the same thing, it still comes in and and I'll be get caught up in that sometimes like, oh, I felt so strongly I should do that and then I, my mind will still come in and go, but maybe maybe that's not the right thing and I'll start analysing it. So sometimes it's absolute and clear. The feeling always is actually, but I, my mind does still come in and battle with me sometimes. <laughs> But I guess basically that, that feeling for me, I feel really assured all the time. So even, even if things get rocky, um, I still really always feel like it's all kind of meant to be. And so we, no matter what, it's like, yeah, well, you know, this is supposed to happen for whatever reason. And I find it really reassuring <coughs> Excuse me. that there's this aspect of ourselves that we we can rely on and and i i get where you're coming from there because i know i for me personally i find it to be um even though sometimes we have doubt but yeah but in the core of us we know there's no doubt like yes so even though something might be happening that we're unsure of we still know that we're on the right path that we're in the right direction and 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 it, little things like it doesn't take us as long to make decisions and, you know. Well, like, that's right. It doesn't take as long to make decisions. And I think even if you get ruffled up by maybe stepping back a little bit, one thing when we're working with people I find is um, as much as you can guide or, or help other people so easily, still when it comes to us, I don't think we're exempt from having to go through the same things that they do. So um, 
I have to sometimes think, practice what you preach. And it can take me a little bit to to get back into that sort of acceptance phase. <laughs> but it comes. It probably comes a lot quicker than it ever did years ago. Yeah. So yeah. what might have taken, you know, months or even years in a sort of a grieving state might might get start to feel clear after a week or two. Yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> or, of course, decision-making can be real um, quick. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's not, we don't waver as much as what we used yeah. to. Yeah. And I think the other thing is we certainly get more comfortable with being out of our comfort zone and we're more prepared yeah. to actually go there. Yeah. 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 So, so I know like when you go on a journey of personal transformation um, and I, I've seen this again in my work as a teacher where I would see people come in and after a couple of years of um, soul journeying, they will discover their purpose, you know. They would yeah. discover the really the start to their purpose. And I know just before we came online that we were, let's talk a little bit about this, how you can initially feel a call from the soul to move into what you feel is your purpose, but with hindsight, with years of soul travelling, you actually discover that there's actually a greater sole purpose at work here. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, so I know for me it was sort of like my initial purpose was mediumship and um, connecting and teaching from that space. But these days the, the same thread was always using mediumship as a tool to connect with the soul in some yeah. way. So now yeah. that's really evolved into the greater aspects of my work. So how has that shown up in your life, Tony? Um, I suppose the truth is that I did initially think that my purpose was um, to help other people somehow and to, you know, assist them, guide, whatever yeah. it might be, influence them. And I... I'm sure it is to an extent, but but that underlying thread, even in that initial pull to start to work with people, was me and understanding me and, and how I worked, how did I tick. No. And I also think that um, if, if we have not looked at ourselves as, well, deeply and probably somehow transformed or become self-aware, then I don't think we can be as effective working with other people because I think what then happens is we put our own shit onto other people. You don't necessarily realise you're doing it, but um, that's what happens. So I think the more aware that we are, the more effective I believe we are as being able to work with other people. It just makes us more accepting of them. We don't want them to do what we've done or follow our path because ours is not for everyone. So it just makes us, I think, more tolerant and accepting of and more able to help people really well yep. because we've worked so hard at ourselves. Well, it's, <laughs> it creates that objectivity and you, and you move yep. into a space of not being attached to, yes. to whatever interaction you have with them. Yeah. So that just allows them to be um, who they are and be free. And, I, and as I'm saying that, I'm actually just sort of becoming aware of how that's even really important in our personal relationships. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, just that objectivity and just allowing people the freedom to be who they are and hold that space. That is so right. And I think for me personally, the relationships have been my biggest learning curve and actually not so much about relationships, about me and um, I guess the expectations I had of probably that person and expectations of myself that I placed on me to, to fit in and, you know, lead this life that was a bit of a status quo. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've been huge. But I think those having expectations of those other people or, you know, these partners or my husband and then a big partner after that was um, my biggest learning lessons, learning curves. They poked me and prodded me. They were awesome as well. But, um, yeah, from a personal growth point of view, <laughs> they were my best tools. Yeah. yeah. And, and expectations are just, they're such a um, challenging um, concept to learn about because it, whether it's your expectations of other people but it's even our expectations on um, outcomes of how we manifest and, you know, all of those sort of things as well which just, it's probably the one area where we just constantly can get in our own way. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's so right because, um, and, and it's never until hindsight that you realise, oh, you had this expectation but it turned out this way, not this way. <laughs> and then you can piece it all together and go, mm-hmm. But it's often in hindsight, isn't it, that you that you go, oh, okay, I get it now, I really yeah, get it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I, do, I guess we don't get out of going through, we personally don't, nor do any of the people we work with, get out of having a deep look. No, we're always having a deep look and it just we just become better at, um, the more aware you become, the easier it becomes to manage. Um, Absolutely. You know, and to, to work through it so you don't sit in that um, expectation or you don't sit in that stuff that's getting in the way for as long as what you used to that's all yeah. so. <laughs> so so um just tell us a little bit about your um working so closely with spirit on a day-to-day -day level tell us a little bit about your creative process because I know you create a lot of programs you yeah um intuitive processes so just just share with us if you will just a little of your creative process and how you go about um, tapping into an idea or bring it into life? Okay. Well, this is probably the most exciting thing that happened when I woke up is that creativity just flowed and it was easy for me to, you know, get on my computer and bang this stuff out. You would, probably I still do, you read it back and go, did I write that? But you did. Yeah. So um, my creative process I don't really have any rituals that I follow, but I tell you one thing that's evolved over these years is I wake up in the middle of the night. And I used to, um, initially I'm thinking, you're supposed to sleep through the night. And I always did sleep through the night. But then once um, I stopped and I thought, gee, am I getting into a habit? Should I break it? After I relented and thought, so what? I sleep for a few hours and I wake in the night and that's when I get my ideas it's not every night even though most nights I do wake up but that's when I get my clarity so the ideas will bang in then usually and uh even even I can have a whole process in my 
head, I suppose, that comes through. And you don't forget it somehow. I never get up in the night and write it down. Although that's not entirely true because now that I have a phone, you know one of those smartphones, I've got it there. And I pick it up and sometimes I can write such massive notes with one finger in that little note thing and then get up tomorrow and um, follow it through with whatever it needs. So I guess um, I don't know that I need to do anything except listen to it when it happens. Um, and it it does, it, it happens a lot and it's um, it never ceases to amaze me actually because if I think back to when I was at school and you had to write or... Um, you know, produce things, I hated it and I couldn't do it. So it was a struggle and I guess it was the difference between uh, letting creativity flow or being forced to do something that you're really not (laughs) interested in. So um, creativity, I really liken that probably as my major connection with my soul or that spirit energy. I love it. Yeah. So how, so how do you um, bring that, because that, to me, that speaks of joy and, um, you know, I'm the same, you know, I'm always, you know, whether it's writing a blog or just, it's like yeah. I've got to write every day in some yeah. form, you know. Um, so how do you bring joy into your life in, in those ways and in other ways? Oh, Kerry, you know what, I think... One of the most major joys in my life is actually talking and communicating. <laughs> it's also one of my challenges as well. So in those partners, it's it's about communicating my deep feelings. But with my girlfriends, and I have a couple of lifelong girlfriends, we know everything about each other. And I think to be able to communicate with them and debrief the ideas that have come through, the creativity, um, that is one of the biggest joys in my life. And we also, we like to have a glass of bubbles, or, or quite a few actually, <laughs> while we're talking, we pull cards and, um, yeah, I guess, is it socialising? It used to be socialising when I was younger. I loved interacting with people. I still do. But for me now, it's more about conversation with substance. And um, there's never any, and maybe there never really was, but there's never any gossiping about people. It's all about, um, well, a lot about ourselves, but also studying how people are and that kind of thing. So I don't know, I guess it's a bit of studying of people and talking about it is one of the most amazing things for me. It makes me really happy. Yeah, I, I hear you. I'm, you know, that's one of my joys as well. So, so I know you've got a couple of really exciting things coming up. Yeah. The first one is you've got a new book coming out in May. So tell us about that. So I've got a book coming out on the 25th of May and I've been writing that bloody book for 11 years. So I started to write it when I separated and and I used to think, you got to write that book, you've got to write the book because I suppose I had my guidance then but when I picked the book up years later, I I was a different person (laughs) in maybe the four or five years that passed from when I first wrote outlines of the chapters to when I started again and I thought, oh, my God, I'm such a victim and what I'd written had to be entirely changed because um, I'd changed. Yeah. Um, the headings were still the same, but the the content just 
didn't represent me anymore, I suppose. But um, basically this book is my take on why we're here. So I tried to tell about why how I well, why I believe we're here through my own story. So it's a bit of a of course I'm into very much into regression and reincarnation. So it's talking about how we sort of plan what we're doing here and um one thing I find people find hard to maybe believe is that the shitty things that happen to us in life are also our purpose. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. and I think a lot of the time um, when things get tough or we're grieving or hurting so bad, we think we um, are off track, but we're right on track. So and it's about uh, all of the things that happen in our lives that maybe aren't morally accepted, but they happen and they're meant to happen. So um, being less harsh on yourself for when these things happen because I feel like we don't get out of anything that's supposed to cross our path. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I tried to explain that through, I've got a few little secrets in there and I've, I've bared them, <laughs> to, you know, in order to, to share my, uh, my beliefs. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that's what it's about. Exciting, very exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I know I've noticed that you've also been working on a new video program about anxiety. Yeah, yeah. So I... I have been working on this program for about stress and anxiety and um, it probably wasn't necessarily one of my passions given everything's based on me to some extent, given that I'm not a very anxious person but there were times in my life where it floored me, floored me where you're feeling pinned down and I came to discover that there were things that, it was telling me to do. So I suppose even though it feels so dreadful, it's your body talking to you. And um, it's giving, I think at times it's giving you a big smack because you've been avoiding doing something. So um, this, I want, I'm going to base this anxiety program much more around not managing it, so of, of course, there's guided visualization in there, but it's not about managing our breathing in the moment. It's about let's fix it, find out why you really have it, because there's always a reason. Whether this initial um, course I have it based around past lives, which of course can show up really weird anxiety that doesn't make sense, but day to day anxiety, even if it's extremely intense can be just that we're not listening to maybe changes we need to make or, you know, a sentence we need to say to someone. And and it's like this anxiety builds, builds, builds until we do say it and then it's gone. So I want to, I want to, I want that course to be about eliminating it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, to me, I always sense that it's about not, it's an indicator of not being in your truth in some way. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So, yeah, so I go through a bit of a, yeah, a process so that they can get to an understanding of what what is at the base of this anxiety or stress, whatever they want to call it. Yeah, and it's so needed because it's it's just on the increase, isn't it, you know? Like you just so much more you come in contact with people all over the place that just have it as part of their life in some way. Did you, Kerry, I do notice on that um, 
that observation, the young people now, whoa, yeah. it seems yeah. like it's epidemic or pandemic, whatever the correct word is, where they're sensing it so much stronger. But I feel like some of our anxiety is actually picking up on, you know, what's going on with each other and even as a collective. And these young people that are coming in are more susceptible to picking up on it. And I feel like they don't necessarily know that that's what's happening. And so I also talk about that in this particular course so that they can realise it's not always your fault. Um, it, it, it can be that you, you're very sensitive yeah. basically and we I guess once we know that and you and I have this as well but once we know it then we can to an extent manage it and I think also you're you're right it is the young people which is and because I know that we're both parents of um you know kid alts yes. <laughs> um and I know for me like um my kids and, and um their friends, you know, that anxiety is part of what they're challenged with from time to time, you yeah. know. So, but I think it's also like some of it, I think that there's just what what I'm sort of receiving as we're talking about it is that as, as um, the souls evolve, so a collective thing, as they evolve into this world, there's the heightened sensitivity that comes with it because it's a, as the souls come in, it's a much more emotive yes. um, energy. It's not as yes. physical as what it was in past generations. So it's moving more into the emotion. But at the same time, we've got this collective um, consciousness that is actually moving more into aggression and more ego-based and it's that... Co it's that um, the challenge of that conflict. So like on a, on a global scale, that's what occurring and, and that would be is what is occurring on a personal level as these sensitive little emotive souls, you know, are challenged with living in the world that collectively we're all creating, you know. Yes. And I, I, that's something I love to talk about actually is how these young people are coming in much more softer and emotive than... I mean, of course, some of us have been throughout life, but we also, we had this strong mind and this strong self that had, we had jobs to do as well through the ages, but now they're bringing it back to emotion and hearts and they're soft. And collectively, when these kids or our kids or these younger generations are in power, so when they're ruling our yeah. world, yeah. then it is going to be ruled in a very different way. And those those kids are up against, well, I'm going to say us, but I guess our generation is potentially less, given that they're our kids, less opposed to them as maybe our, our generation, the generation after us. But one way or the other, there's a but going on and, you know, but it is going to evolve. They're going to change everything. Well, what, eventually what will happen is that but will, you know, that, that war, like it'll break through. There'll be some sort of, you know, it might be something like World War Three, <laughs> but yeah. you know, yeah. Um, but there'll be that breakthrough, and it is taking us to that next evolution where we are going to see that generation that come after us, Tony, yeah. that are, are more emotive, are more sensitive, just yeah. going going to lead the world with their hearts, and that's just going to be yes. a beautiful thing. It will be yeah. absolutely. 
Well, I've had a really great time chatting with you today, so thank you for joining us. Thanks, Kerry. Thanks for having me. It's been fantastic talking. No, and we, I, we just sign off with one question that I always ask everyone, yep. being that the show is called The Joygasm Effect. How yep. are you going to achieve a joygasm in your life this week, Tony? <laughs> um, well, there's, um, God, is there one thing? I guess I could say I'm extremely motivated at the moment with my some projects that I'm working on. So that gives me massive joy. But I will certainly be connecting with a friend later in the week and I'll have a debrief on everything. So I guess that's what it's going to be. It'll, it'll be all fun and laughter and joy and, um, yeah, just having a debrief. Excellent. Yeah. 